0: Hey, this is Louisiana Sister Squad Podcast, where we bring you real information to enhance your truther lifestyle. I'm Katie.
1: And I'm Tammy. Welcome Welcome to to the the show. show.
0: On this episode of Louisiana Sister Squad Podcast, we're speaking with Destin Nowick, also known as Texas Garden Guy, across all social media platforms. Today, we'll be discussing some tips for new gardeners and experienced gardeners, pros and cons of having a large reach on social media, and more about Destin's unique hobby of metal detecting. Welcome to the show, Destin.
2: Hey guys, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, so uh, my name is Destin Nowak. I'm from the Houston area. Uh, I'm also known as the Texas Garden Guy. Pretty much specialize in growing food and growing uh, most edible plants in small suburban backyard areas, um, doing, the most, doing the most efficient work with a small amount of space. You know, a lot of people in the United States live in subdivisions or apartments or small little townhouses or whatever, and they don't have a giant field where they can grow a lot of food. Um, so I like to show that you can do a lot with a very small space. So that's pretty much what I kind of do in most of my social media.
0: Okay, that is awesome. And I know so needed, Um, especially um, like both of us had recently posted about we're looking at some food shortages and things like that. So people really need to understand kind of what we're facing and to not wait to get started. I did see a lot of people like, Oh, I'm stocking up on seeds and so on and so forth. But like they're not showing any progression of the things that they're planting, you can't just have the seeds and then wait because as I very much learned, it takes some time and there's a lot of things that can go wrong in gardening. Um, Absolutely.
1: Especially.
0: Uh, I wanted to kick off with uh, something kind of fun and encouraging for our listeners is what are three tips of encouragement that you can give to new gardeners?
2: Um, so, first of all, uh, the first tip I tell anybody is only plant. If you're just starting out, only plant what you're going to eat. If you're not going to eat it, don't worry about planting it. Um, I know people who plant kale and they don't eat kale or no one in their house eats kale. Don't don't grow kale. Um, number two, uh, try containers. You don't need to till up the ground in your backyard to grow a row of, of corn in your subdivision backyard. Um, you can do a lot of things in containers. I'm growing okra in containers. I've done corn in containers. Um, and then uh, step three is start right now. You know, uh, you need to go on your go on, go online and go to Google and Google your zip code. And what can I plant it right now? And it'll tell you what you can put in the ground today, you know, that day, you know. So get started now uh, because you're going to make mistakes. Stuff's going to die. Um, and the quicker you get started, the better off you are, because no amount of books or podcasts or YouTube videos are going to teach you what you will learn with your bare hands by failing in the backyard. Because I do a lot of failing, I do a lot of failing in the backyard, it it happens a lot. So get out there and get dirty.
1: So you said you fail a lot, so do you have any uh, special words for the people that are in the process, of, like maybe the beginning of gardening, and they're so frustrating and they're thinking that exact thing, I listen to this podcast and I watch this video and it's not working, what do you have to say to those people?
2: People have been trying for thousands of years to get it hundred percent right. And there is no such thing as hundred percent when it comes to farming or gardening. Um, you know, the, the dirt quality from one backyard to another could be completely different. You know, uh, not everything is going to work hundred percent of the time. There's no such thing as hundred percent seed germination, just not possible. So just know going into it that you will have failures and you'll learn from your failures and you'll be better off for it. So, just uh, I say, uh, be proactive and re- be reactive. I always tell people, if you want a tomato plant, plant twelve tomato plants. So, you know, you're 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 not as disappointed when you end up with three instead of twelve. You know, so overseed, and you know, you'll be better off.
1: So is setting your the number of setting yourself up for success. That's that's a good thing to go by. Okay, so I want to ask you: You've gone viral and you've become very popular from gardening, which I'm sure is something you love. Can you recall your first, your very first encounter with gardening?
2: Yeah. Um, so my family, my grandmother grew up. Um, basically working in a nursery in Florida. She spent her whole life working in nurseries and, and in the fields of Florida. Uh, my grandpa's side, you know, they were picking cotton here in the the in Texas, you know, so and they always had a, a garden in the backyard, not because it was fun or because you can make YouTube videos about it, because you weren't making enough money to, you know, buy all your okra or your or your whatever, you know. So it was just something you did, especially after World War II. You know, a lot of families came back and you know, a lot of family members didn't come back. And so the government was telling everybody, plant a victory garden, plant a garden, you know, uh, put less stress on the food supply chain and grow your own food. And, you know, I think there's a lot of lessons that can be taken from that. But my, my first uh, encounter was I planted, I don't know if y'all know what a canna is, a canna lily. It's, um, it's in the banana family, uh, but I remember they, they drop pods, like like little beads. And wherever they drop, they grow a canna. And so my grandma had cannas. And I remember, I think I took a pot out of the kitchen and brought it outside and filled it with dirt when I was like five or six and put some canna seeds in it. And then I was growing cannas. So uh, but I've had my hands dirty for a long time.
0: That's such a sweet and special memory, especially tying it back to your grandparents. Our grandmother um, was a very good gardener. Um, and I could remember that she did, you know, I'm the last of four. So my entire life, very clear memories of just her backyard being full
1: and lush. Yeah, she grew up on an, in an, on an apple orchard in Pennsylvania. And during the harvest time, her and her sister didn't even go to school. They worked on the farm. So yeah, she she definitely brought that down here with her when she married my papa.
2: I mean, places in the Midwest, like you were seeing, that you know, not even be able to go to school because it's harvest time. i they do in the Midwest, like in Nebraska, Iowa, Indiana, places where they grow a lot of corn and stuff. When it's harvest time, they don't go to school, and you know, a lot of kids stay home and work on the farms. You know, it, it still happens here in the United States. It's, it's pretty crazy.
0: Looking at like your social media growth and stuff like that, it seems like you really grew from just being consistent and giving your garden tips, being your natural self, which I think is amazing. Um, We can definitely see the difference between people who are not really comfortable in their own skin or what it is they're posting about, but you do seem to be natural at it. I wanted to ask, like, you know, really what inspired you to get started and continue with social media and what has been the funnest part for you so far? Great question. Uh, So
2: I... Uh, I do my full-time job. I do a high voltage electrical testing and I got into a position where I was doing seven days on and seven days off. I was working seven 12 hour days and I had seven full days off. And so I got started watching uh, YouTube channels like Justin Rhodes and Sow the Land. And I got inspired to start doing YouTube. Um, so you spend all day recording video, you spend hours editing video, post a YouTube video and it gets 12 views and it was just like heart crushing it was heartbreaking um, my wife uh, knew or my, my wife's boss is Farmer Froberg's uh, wife and so we got connected I went up to the farm met him and we did a couple of YouTube videos I post them on my uh, channel sometimes um, and he was like dude have you heard about this TikTok thing and I was like yeah I mean, whatever you know I, I was like you know, there's, there's kind of an elitism when it comes to like YouTubers versus like TikTok and Instagram, you know, they're like, Oh, I'm not doing it. T- I do. I'm an artist. I do long-term videos, you know? Um, and then I got into it and I was like, this is fun. You know, there's something about like a, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's really luck when it comes to like a, like a TikTok video or an Instagram video going viral. You know, it's, you try to time it right. You try to like but at the end of the day it's the algorithm as a mind of its own you cannot predict what's going to hit what's not going to hit the best thing you can do is like you were saying is be consistent post on a regular basis um stay true to what your category is you know kind of do the kind of stuff you know stay into a a general genre and uh, just be consistent like you were saying grind it out and enjoy the little successes you know Maybe this video doesn't get a million views, but it got 10,000 views. Well, it did a little bit better than this one yesterday, you know, so kind of enjoy the, the little, the little successes when it comes to videos like that and just have fun with it. And if it was, because if it wasn't fun, it's not like I'm making any money, <laughs> you know, I'm not making like a living where I could quit my job and just make Instagram videos all day long. No, there's no, if it wasn't fun, I wouldn't do it. And I really appreciate all the, the positive feedback I get. Um, YouTube, YouTube is harsh. YouTube is very harsh. Um, you know those trolls behind those keyboards can be very brutal sometimes. But for the most part, on Instagram and TikTok, um, I've noticed a different mindset. Like I, I don't, I don't know if it's because their profiles are more accessible. So you just click on their face and it goes right to like all their, you know. Um, but I haven't noticed the comment section be as ugly on TikTok and Instagram. It can be. It has, but. You got to move, Pat. You can't ignore the haters,
0: you know? No, oh, I agree. Um, I was making a joke about that the other day is, so I take some of our Instagram stuff and TikTok stuff and I upload it to, um, our pages. I have a garden page there too. And it wasn't enough that we weren't getting likes is that I was getting thumbs down. I was like, you motherfuckers. <laughs> I was like, I felt kind of like very pouty about it because I'm like, you know, just scroll past it. Like, don't give me a thumbs down. That's rude. A little bit heartbreaking because <laughs> it was like a lot of the ones that showed my face too. And I was like, maybe they just don't like the way I look. I don't know.
2: I would, t- I would tell, the m- best advice I can tell you is there's no such thing as bad press. The video, so I had that ladybug video, hit 6 million views on TikTok. And probably 50% of the comments were negative, super negative. They said I was a ladybug poacher. They said I was supporting ladybug poaching. You know, it's if earthworms get dug out of the ground and put on hooks every single day. No one cares about earthworms. But because people go with like shotbacks and suck ladybugs out of the forest and ladybugs are cute and pretty. um, I'm a ladybug poacher. And I, I literally looked up the definition of poaching. It is the illegal um, is the legal capture or killing of a protected species. And there's no hunting season on ladybugs. You know, there's, there's no, they're not protected. They're not regulated under any kind of law. So people were literally calling me like a terrible person. I was introducing Japanese ladybugs, which people think I would release invasive Japanese ladybugs into my garden. Like I, I do a little bit of research, you know, I don't always, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not that kind of dumb. Uh, but I, I would, would know better than to release something that would ruin every single fig tree in my, in my, ha- my backyard. But the negative comments sometimes do the best for you. Because like I said, 6 million on TikTok and over 1.4 on Instagram by posting that video on there. So bring it on, haters. I love it. I love that shit.
0: Yeah, that's so true. I was going to ask, like, just talking about negative feedback. It's like, it's funny enough. It's gardening. It's gardening. You know you can have people disagree but people really should not be getting ugly over gardening but at the rate at which some of your videos go viral i can imagine that happened and you said nobody's protesting for the earthworms one time a very long time ago i went to um a, a kids fishing tournament at the park and i guess that was my first experience with vegans this is pre-internet and they had signs fish have feelings um the earthworms like all of that that they were like anti-everything i fished anyways if if vegans only knew
2: how much death comes into a factor when their grains are being harvest harvested you know there's you know a baby deer when it's first born the only natural instinct it has is to stand completely still so when those you know fawns are born into a pasture where there's corn they're harvested around the same time fawns are born so those those those, uh combines are going right to the field and deer rabbits frogs everything gets ground up and put right into those grains that they're eating so it's just as destructive you know to be a vegan as it is on anything you know i heard an argument it's the same thing for electric vehicles and everything i won't get into that
0: it's one thing like you said like if you want to be a vegan a vegetarian whatever it is go ahead and go ahead and do that. But uh, really protesting the way that other people live. But we see a lot of that now of, you know, this, this force of like, you have to, you have to accept my lifestyle and not only just accept me for who I am, but, you know, almost like this kind of like, I'm doing something that makes me better than you um, type of mentality, which is that's really destructive for the environment. You did bring up uh, wheat and corn, which is like, if I'm not mistaken, the two largest crops grown in the United States. We have had past guests talk about, uh, you know, like kind of like the GMO, um, the pesticides that's on it being sprayed with Monsanto's and and all of those things. Having your own garden in your backyard, um, how often do you try to um, take the natural route, the organic route, as opposed to um you know using things that are like gmo and stuff like that especially when it comes to buying seeds and pesticides
2: uh so i will talk about this and i'll let you know that a lot of gardening people don't like to talk about this shit they don't like when they're making the youtube videos and their tiktoks or instagrams the last thing they want to talk about is what they're spraying on their their garden um so i i try to be as organic as i possibly can um even with organic methods, you know, stuff that's Omri certified and everything like that, people still have issues, you know, using neem oil, using insecticidal soap. Um, I'm the GMO seed thing, I'm not as much worried about it. Um, I, I'm to, to be fair, to be honest, I'm not uh, well educated enough on the GMO subject to really have much of an opinion. Um, so I, I don't really. I don't worry too much about the GMOs. What I do worry about is, uh, you know, large scale agriculture and the monoculture, you know, they're growing, they're growing. The the best practice to have when it comes to gardening and farming is to rotate your crops to break the pest cycle. So the reason they're having to use all these pesticides is because they're growing corn in the same fields they grow them every single year. So whatever pests were there the year before have laid their eggs in the ground and then the brush that remains And so when they put the seed down the next year, those pests are hatching, they're having to spray the chemicals again, you know? So the best thing you can do is rotate your crops. Like just in my backyard alone, I try not to plant my squash in the same spot where I grew it the year before. Because if you have a squash vine borer problem and you compost and you put your stuff in the piles and stuff like that, they're gonna leave their eggs and their larvae in there and they hatch the next year. And if you're squashing the exact same spot, not that they wouldn't move across your yard, but it just makes it less accessible, you know, so the best thing you can do is a crop rotation, and I think that's a big problem with, uh, you know, big farming monoculture, but I'm also not an agronomist or a well-educated, you know, farm, I don't don't have a farm doctorate, you know, that's just my opinion, you know, it's not a hill I would die on, and I understand what it's got, it's a, it's a large task to feed this nation, and, uh, you know it's i think a lot of us could really just help out by growing more in our own backyards you know that that's that's the opinion i have is that we need to grow more on our own and be less dependent on big ag
0: i definitely agree and that is great advice moving um your crops this is my first year having four garden beds and so that's definitely a good tip as i move into fall and the next time when I do spring it can flip flop everything around especially because you might have saw the squash bug I went on vacation and I came back and these little shits was attacking one then it's attacking the other and I was so sad at even like my little baby squashes that were on there were black I was like oh my god I went outside so with a solo couple of diametaceous earth I'm like Crew. like like you said we don't always uh, research and think. It's like, I've used it before. I knew what to do, but I was so upset by the bugs. I just kind of went ham. So I'm hoping that
1: works. we should have planted
0: 11 more. I know. But my squash plants, the squash plants are so big, are so right. big. I do have one more that I can put. Uh, so the best case,
2: best thing I always tell people is be proactive and not reactive. So if you have squash bugs or squash vine borders, um you have to get on a weekly schedule. You have to be proactive. So the minute I'm putting the squash in the ground, I do use neem oil, which is organic, um, but it is hated on. Uh, I, I I do it every Friday night, every Friday night, you know, whether I got plans or not, before I go anywhere, I'm going to spray my garden because the neem oil will be a preventative against the, the squash bug. Uh, but once it's developed that exoskeleton the hard exoskeleton the neem oil is not really going to penetrate it and so the only thing you can really do uh with squash bugs after that once they've built that exoskeleton is pyrethrin or even in the worst case scenarios maybe some seven dust
1: make good sense so what you doing this friday night neem oil (laughs) speaking of going out on friday nights uh Katie said that you are married. So is your wife like your partner in the whole gardening thing? Is she into it?
2: If she wasn't, I wouldn't do it. Uh, because it is not, you know, I could not imagine doing all this on my own. Um, if I was doing my own, it'd be a lot smaller scale because, uh, she is the best, you know, she is Mrs. Texas garden gal. um, when it comes to, uh, she, she doesn't do the spraying. She doesn't like to do the spraying because the neem oil stinks. Uh, but she's definitely out there picking okra on on the daily. Um, she's picking figs. She's putting the bags on the figs because she wants to make that jelly. And, you know, we sell our jellies and stuff like that. And so um, it's, it's definitely a team effort. You know, she's out there pulling weeds. Um, you know, we, we both have our jobs, you know. Uh, She makes the jellies. I make sure they're watered and sprayed and make sure I pick up the dog poop and all that stuff. You know, it's it's a it's teamwork. It's definitely a team effort. And if you're wanting to get into this life of gardening and it is not a hobby,
1: it's a lifestyle.
2: um, you, You need to find someone that wants to be in it with you because it is not easy to do by yourself.
1: So when it comes to the fig jelly that you said you guys sell, do you guys just do that like through a website online or do you go to a farmer's market or?
2: Honest to God, my wife's a teacher. And so she sells most of our jellies at school um, to other teachers. Uh, We do do meetups from time to time. We We haven't sold jelly at the meetups. We've been talking about going to farmer's markets. So we're set to go maybe later this fall and go do a farmer's market. I'll sell some fig trees. We'll sell some jellies. We're, we're getting set up to where we can do something. Uh, we're very small scale. I don't, if I, I don't know if I mentioned this. I live on a 16th of an acre in a subdivision, and I only garden in a half of it. So I'm, I'm growing every, every, I've got 20 something fig, or 20 something varieties of fig trees just on a 16th of an acre or 32nd of an acre. So it's very small scale, um, but it's made with love. So, <laughs> you know, I, it's, it's, it's tiny right now.
0: We had um, Chef Molly on. I don't know if you've seen, um, we shared her on our page, but she has a big organic regenerative agriculture farm in California. If you haven't listened to her episode yet, please go check it out. She is passionate about everything she's doing, and she's actually leaving California and coming to Texas because she said she just cannot deal with, California anymore they tell her uh, when she tries to put sheds together for her farmers so they can work in the shade when it comes to you know doing all the produce and everything Um, and then she sells at the farmer market but she said she is selling you know like pickled things and jams and jellies and stuff like that and in California she's in she's in trouble with the canning department and she went on to say she's actually in trouble with 17 like agencies in regards to farming And gardening. And she said, I had enough. So she bought some property in Texas and they've been working on that and getting ready to transition. But she also has organic vegan restaurants um, in California as well. So they're they're really closing the gap. They take the food scraps go back to the farm for compost. Um, I think she said like 80% of the food in the restaurant is coming from their garden and so on and so forth. And um, you know, she just has had a terrible time so if you can, what you can and cannot do with your own life that's like infringing on your rights i mean with her how much uh, she got 17 acres in california and i think she's got 17 or 20 acres that she just bought in texas but if you can imagine the, all of those things supplying your life and then somebody coming in and saying you can't do this you can't do that is is absolutely insanity i
2: always love hearing the more californians moving to texas I, for all the california people out there i just want you to know land is much cheaper in Oklahoma just go to Oklahoma instead so there is a good and a bad reason to have you know I'm 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 not a big uh big government guy I'm, I'm more of a small government local government uh but I do understand certain regulations and uh but they can also be a pain in the ass I'm sure and it sounds like she's doing something a little bit larger scale too so that's much different than what I'm doing I, I can understand that
0: yeah um I mean I can definitely agree that you know the intent the original intent of these agencies um start out with you know trying to protect and stuff like that but there is such a thing as overreach in order for agencies like that to really be proactive there would be more education the health inspector when they came in it wouldn't be about fear and writing um you know fines and so on and so forth it would be more education driven
2: yeah and and i get it um I, I agree with what you're saying. They could definitely be more uh, informational, more proactive than reactive. The information is out there. The problem w- was what was what's happening is like just in my na- just in my city alone. Um, there's a lot of uh, um, Hispanic-owned nurseries that just are in people's front yards, you know. And they just they get the trees from whatever they sell, you know, trees to whoever with no regulations, no nothing. Um, so, if there there is cause for uh, quite a bit of it, I do get it, and I'm not one for government overreach or anything like that. But they, I'm to a certain, you know, certain circumstances, I get it. You know, it's it's definitely some overreach at a certain point. I get it.
0: Positive and negative to it, um, and I think a very realistic view is to just understand that all of these agencies can improve what they're doing, and it's about your local government, so it matters you know, who you elect, how you're involved, um, even you, know, you now that you're licensed, providing education for other people that, you know, want to follow in those same footsteps. And so that's why I think it's so wonderful you doing what you're doing. And now that you're licensed and going to be moving forward, I would expect some change coming through on your page. Um, and that information is going to change as well. Um, and so we can keep inspiring people to be more
1: proactive. I right, agree. Our
0: next segment, uh, Tammy has a couple of questions
1: for you. Tell us a little bit about the metal detecting and how you got into that.
2: So I got into it because a guy at work, I'd always been uh, into history. I wanted to be a history teacher when I came out of high school. Um, So I've always been into history. I've always been into like antiques and like older stuff. Um, uh, So a guy at work had got me into it. I got the metal detector. I'm a big accessory guy. Like if I have a, sorry if i have a gopro i gotta have all the accessories if i'm a mill picking i gotta have all the accessories i had the pinpointer the shovel everything and uh we would go to the beach and dig around and you're mostly finding people's pop tops There, you know now you find a lot of vapes you know that are you know trashed everywhere um the best thing you can do is kind of get uh, a landowner's permission so what we found was go, Google Maps or Google Earth you can download it on your computer and you can go and if you have a friend or someone's uh, land you can see, you can go back in time satellite images and see where old homesteads or old barns, old buildings used to be from old satellite images going back to however long satellites been around. Um, and you can you can kind of see that's what you want you, just going in an open field like you were saying in Germany people have been over there for thousands of years the United States, there hasn't been a whole lot of metal over here for a couple hundred years, so you're only going to find so much stuff, you know, up to a certain date, but what you want to do is find an old home site, or a place where, where a building was, where you're going to find nails, you're going to find artifacts, you know, uh, at the beach, you're going to find a lot of trash, I dig up mostly trash, uh, but I also feel good about it, because I love the beach, um, and it gets trashed a lot, you know, during, like, you know, uh, so it's kind of nice to help out and kind of just clean up a bunch of trash out of the, out of the beach too. So you're kind of doing that, but it's fun. It's really fun, especially when you find good stuff.
1: Oh, what's the best thing that you ever found?
2: So the best thing I ever found was at I was actually metal detecting my grandpa's house, and I don't know. Y'all are from Louisiana, so y'all probably used to have this. Your parents or grandparents will order a, like a a dump truck of sand, and you just have a giant pile of sand and Eventually it gets spread out over the yard, but until then you had a giant sand pile to play in. And so I remember growing up as a kid having, you know, little cars and stuff and we didn't always find them. You you lost them. So we were metal detecting around his new garage, which is over there by the sandpile. And I picked something up and I dug it up and it was an old stealth bomber uh, toy that I had from when I was a kid. And I remember it. Like it was like it was like a time capsule. It was crazy. And that was that's probably the coolest thing I found was one of my old toys from like 30 years ago, you know. Um, if you're looking to find valuable stuff, anywhere where someone, because I've I've been to my dad's place where he's got like 100 acres, and everywhere you go, the only thing you find is barbed wire because bar, the only thing it's ever been was cattle, you know, cattle ranch. Um, so if you're looking for a place that all all it's ever had was trash on it, that's all you're gonna find. If you find an old house, an old barn you know, an old store, you know, whatever you can find. But make sure you get the landowner's permission beforehand.
1: So what about, um, that's the coolest thing you found. What's the most valuable thing you found?
2: Nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The most valuable thing I ever found was a quarter. It was worth 25 cents. (laughs) I found a bunch of quarters. but Nothing much more valuable than that. You find a lot of junk. You know, you got to really have access to a good site
1: the one um guy that i watched for a really long time he found a lot of good stuff but he was actually on the east coast
2: it's all about location so you think about the east coast you think about the original colonies people have been here for like they're longer you know um texas you know there's a lot of comanche territory a lot of indian territory native american territory sorry um for a long period of time up until you know the the mid-1716 and whatever the spanish came in i'm not don't don't get me on dates. So you're going to have a larger concentration of historical artifacts in an area like that.
1: So thank you for all the information on the metal detecting. Um, The gardening is super interesting. um, But, you know, to be honest, like I'm not a gardener like my sister is. I'm not the green thumb. It hit everybody in my family except me. And that's okay. But so going the other route with the metal detecting conversation i really enjoyed that thank you so much for that information
0: if this message was heard around the world if you knew it was going to be heard around the world and you had one minute to tell everyone something what would you say
2: i would if i if i had only a minute to tell everyone on earth the one thing i would say uh, spend more time outside go outside get off your phones um, you can still make a TikTok to your TikToks or Instagrams. So it only takes about 15 seconds to do that. Uh, but get outside and get your hands dirty. Um, we've grown accustomed to going to Kroger's and ATV and getting your groceries. Um, as we've seen the last couple of years, um, supplies are you know low and you're not getting the things you used to get. So if there's, if you, say you like okra, grow okra. Grow one thing. Grow one thing you eat. You don't have to grow the wheat for the bread. The corn for your corn the cob. If you like okra, just grow some okra, and just just grow one thing that you eat. just take one thing out that you don't have to buy at the grocery store. Do that, and, and if everybody did that, we'd be a lot better off, I think.
0: Okay, guys. that's an awesome job. Thank you for uh, for saying that. I think that's really encouraging, and hopefully,
1: we inspire at least one person to get started. Again. We have one watermelon. There, there you go. Yard it's from your plant oh yeah i live in what used to be my grandmother's house where the whole garden was our whole life and um and so last year we decided to make a garden and like everything died and i think it's the quality of the soil i'm not sure and then this year we planted a few things and they did okay but uh my sister has a bunch of watermelons known as what did you see my baby watermelon and (laughs) So anyway, so she gave my mom one and we planted it. So we have one watermelon plant with one watermelon on it. So we are following the one minute message to the world rule as okay, of right now. And it is.
2: Well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm, I'm going to ruin I'm going to help you with a lot of heartache because everybody asks me, when do you pick watermelons? When do you pick watermelons, there's nothing with the knocking on the watermelon. There's nothing with like the weight or the white underneath it. There's going to be a little central. you know watermelons have those tendrils that curl around like cucumbers you'll see them the one closest to the watermelon is the indicator for you the one that's close to the watermelon when it's completely dried up and you can flick it off and it breaks off your watermelon is ripe do not pull that watermelon until that finger is dried up and it'll break your heart I've done it so many times where I think that freaking watermelon is ripe and you cut into it and it's all white it is heartbreaking
0: i agree that happened to our first watermelon yeah. it was it needed like maybe 10 more days i don't know and um i was like oh it's looking ripe and my fiance was like good and cut it off i was like wait a minute there's things you're supposed to look for it's not and we cut it open it was so beautiful and we cut it open and i was like "Oh, well, this is disappointing. That's awesome. And so we wanted just to ask you in closing, um, one, is there anything you want to tell us that you have, um, coming up? You're welcome to promote that where they can find you. And is there anything else that you would like our listeners to know? Uh, well,
2: I just appreciate y'all having me on. Um, I am the Texas garden guy on Instagram, TikTok, um, YouTube, um, make sure to go follow me and give me a like, uh,
0: follow, what
2: was it? Like and subscribe, like and subscribe. Um, We can
0: definitely hope so and we do wish you the most success on the growth of your pages and hopefully one day you can be a full-time sponsored gardener. I'm going to hope for the same for myself as well. I do think that I should probably work a little bit harder. The truth train doesn't stop here. Did you know that you can connect with us and our guests further?
1: Join us on the uncensored platform, Telegram for live chats and Q&A with our guests. Hope to see you there. Before
0: you go, hit follow and share with a friend. Wake up to a new episode of Louisiana Sister Squad Podcast every Tuesday.